Hi, this is Robert Cahoon, and um, welcome to this lesson uh, called Providing Sound Teaching on Contraception. Uh, we're going to look at the church's teaching on contraception. So first, we're going to have a quick introduction. We're going to look at this statement by the bishops of the Philippines. We're going to look at what St. Pope John Paul II said about contraception. Uh, we're going to look at this booklet from the United States Catholic Conference of Bishops. Um, look at an article on AIDS condoms in the Catholic Church, then look at the early church and contraception, further information, a bit about contraception and the environment, and a conclusion, just some of the resources that are related to this topic too. So, as an introduction, uh, contraception is an issue that has profound implications for the future of the church, and this resource we're looking at today aims to enable sound teaching on the issue to help promote a positive vision for marriage and family life. More often than not, this is an issue not addressed in Catholic life. The renewal of marriage and family life is essential, not only for a new renaissance in the church, but also for society itself. And the future of humanity passes by way of the family, as John Paul II said. And in my opinion, renewal of Catholic life will only come about through a renewal in marriage and family life as well. Healthy, happy families of domestic church in themselves helped to create a vibrant and dynamic church and large Catholic families helped to create an outward looking church eager for evangelization and conversion. Um, well, in England, the uh, Protestant Reformation, the catalyst of the Henrician Reformation was the divorce crisis, the first divorce of Henry VIII. He decided to break his ties with Rome because of his desire to marry Anne Boleyn, to have a legitimate male uh, and this led to the dissolution of the monasteries, liquidation of Catholic life in England followed in the 16th century. In other words, uh, a major reason for the desecration of much of Catholic life in England was down to uh, the malpractice and dysfunction of the family life of the king. If it only took one marriage to bring the desecration of Catholic life in England, how many lives would it take to restore it? Well, just a bit of thought for you there. <laughs> So we've got this incredible statement by the bishops of the Philippines in 1990. And the bishops of the Philippines made this remarkable apology for their failure to teach the church's teaching on contraception. They said, it is said when seeking ways of regulating births, only 5% of you consult God. In face of this unfortunate fact, we, your pastors, have been remiss. How few there are among you who have we have reached. There have been some couples eager to share their expertise and values on birth regulation and others. They did not receive adequate support from their priests. We did not give them due attention, believing then this ministry consisted merely of imparting a technique best left to married couples. Only recently we have discovered how deep your yearning is for God to be present in your married lives. But we did not know then how to help to discover God's presence and activity in your mission of Christian parenting. Afflicted with doubts about alternatives to contraceptive technology, we abandon you to your confused and lonely consciences with a lame excuse. Follow what your conscience tells you. How little we realized that it was our consciences that needed to be formed first. A greater concern would have led us to discover that religious hunger in you. So what an incredible statement by the bishops of the Philippines, apologizing to lay people for their failure to teach the church's teaching on contraception and you know they believed things that weren't really true and they really came out and fully apologized and 
look how remarkable family life is in the Philippines. Um, many wonderful Catholic families coming from that country. So uh, we're going to look at what Pope John Paul II said about contraception now. It's in John Kipley's book, Sex and the Marriage Covenant, which shows John Paul II consistently and emphatically held up the teaching of Humanae Vitae. And for those of you unsure what Humanae Vitae is, it's an encyclical written by Pope Paul VI uh, on the subject of human life, and it addresses the issue of uh, regulation of births and contraception. Uh, it's in light of Lumen Gentium number 25, which states the mind and will of the pontiff can be known from frequent repetition of the same doctrine and must be respected as divine and Catholic truth in matters of faith and morals. Uh, John Paul II said that marital non-contraception is a teaching whose truth is beyond discussion. He said that on June the 5th, 1987, is a teaching which belongs to the permanent patrimony of the church's moral doctrine and a truth which cannot be questioned on March the 14th, 1988. And he says it's a teaching which is intrinsic to our human nature and that calling it into question is equivalent to refusing God himself the obedience of our intelligence on November the 12th, 1988, a remarkable statement. To hold out for exceptions on contraception as if God's grace were not sufficient is a form of atheism, he said on September the 17th, 1983. Denying the doctrine of marital non-contraception is equivalent to denying the Catholic con concept of revelation on April the 10th, 1986. And on November the 12th, 1988, he said, what is being questioned by rejecting that teaching is the very idea of holy, the holiness of God. So those are pretty remarkable statements of what John Paul II said about this topic is, you know, is equivalent to sort of denying the concept of revelation, refusing God, um, our intelligence and questioning the holiness of God as well. So he clearly stated to assume not to be the cooperators of God's creative power, but ultimately depositories of the source of human life is equal to maintaining that in human life situations might be lawful not to recognize God as God. Wow. In other words, we like to put ourselves in the place of God when we refuse to cooperate with him. So to not recognize God as God, what a you know, extraordinary, remarkable thing to say. Uh, the effects of contraception in marriage may strike. And when you look at the divorce rate, contracepting married couples have a divorce rate of 40% compared with the rate of one it's in 3% that those that use natural fertility awareness or do not use contraception. And this is one of John Paul II's most profound statements. Um, at the origin of every, every human person, there is a creative act of God. No man comes into existence by chance. He is always the object of God's creative love. From this fundamental truth of faith and reason, it follows that the procreative capacity inscribed in human sexuality is, in its deepest truth, a cooperation with God's creative power. And it follows that man and women are not arbiters and not the masters of the same capacity, called as they are in it and through it to be participants in God's creative decision. When therefore through contraception, married couples removed from the exercise of their conjugal sexuality is potential procreative capacity. They claim a plough which belongs solely to God, the power to decide in a final analysis the coming into existence of the human person. They assume the qualification of not being cooperators in God's creative power, but the ultimately depositories are the source of human life. In this perspective, contraception is judged objectively so profoundly unlawful as never to be for any reason justified. To think or say to the contrary is equal to maintaining that in human life, 
situations may arise in which it's, it is lawful not to recognise God as God. And that was October the 10th, 1983 in the Observatory Romano. Uh, wow, you know, to say not to recognise God as God, that's that's really full on, you know, um, <laughs> really profound statement from John Paul II there. So um, there is a booklet by the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops and... Um, in this booklet, it shows. Um, in this booklet, it shows that the pro-life secretariat of the U.S. Bishops Conference really knows what they're talking about. So they mentioned the uh, contraception counts report by none other than the Good Market Institute, which is the research arm of Planned Parenthood. It states there's no correlation between better access to contraception and lower abortion rates. So this is many years old, but it said there was a 17.4 pregnancy rate for condom users over a 12 month period. But that includes pregnancies for women in their late 30s and 40s. Teenagers are another story. 23.2% who rely on condoms will become pregnant in a year. So um, there's a very high pregnancy rate for condom users over a whole year period. Um, and condom failure rates for STDs are even worse. In an article in the Journal of Sexually Transmitted Diseases by Fitch and Al, said that none of the studies they showed show any STD risk reduction for condom users, not even for those who always used condoms. So that's something that really, you know, is contrary to the safe sex message that's been promoted by the government. Uh, hormonal, hormonal contraceptives are not medication, but steroids intended to disrupt a normal functioning reproductive system. The World Health Organization recognizes estrogen in combined oral contraceptive pills as carcinogenic. Women who took combined oral contraceptive pills, COCs, before age 20 increased their risk of dying from breast cancer by 820%. In addition, nor plants, rods implanted under skin, fell from grace when their side effects, depression, excessive bleeding, weight gain and strokes became known. The intrauterine device had been linked to pelvic inflammatory disease, might inf interfere with implantation, calling as early abortions. The progestions and all forms of hormonal contraception taken daily or long-term cause changes in the uterine lining, including atrophy. The popular ortho Evra patch has been linked to 23 deaths of healthy young women from fatal blood clots, heart attacks, and strokes. We could go on and on about this topic uh, of some of the bad health side effects of contraceptives. Um, but what's the good news? Good news is natural fertility awareness really works. And there's, there's you know, different ways of practicing it through this message. Couples are able to space the birth of their children, limit the size of families in ways obedient to Jesus Christ and his church to avoid the sin and medical complications of uh, contraception. So um, you can use natural fertility awareness um, according to the teaching of the Catholic Church in an ethical way. Um, I've got a whole nother talk on that also. Abstinence also works. The only 100% method apart from uh, of avoiding pregnancy, contraception damages the mental, physical, emotional, spiritual well-being of women. And we must reject the contraceptive-based approach by supporting chastity education in schools. For example, uh, Dawson's sister in Christ deserve to grow up in healthy, free uh, free of preventable diseases that can last a lifetime. 
So uh, we're going on to an uh, article now about AIDS, condoms and the Catholic Church. So uh, Pope Benedict uh, went on a mission trip to Africa. He was talking about HIV AIDS on board a plane uh, on his apostolic visit to Cameroon when he was Pope. And he said the problem of HIV AIDS cannot be overcome by mere slogans. The soul is lacking. If Africans don't help one another, scourge cannot be resolved by distributing condoms. Quite the contrary, we risk worsening the problem. Uh, he suggested the humanization of sexuality, true friendship, would bring solutions and help those who suffer. Well, John Snow used to be the Channel 4's news uh, head anchor in the UK, and he said that the Pope, uh, with this policy, had condemned many Africans to death. And his assertion is, is completely false. Um, the Catholic Church provides 25% of the total care given to HIV AIDS victims, um, placing itself among leading advocates in this field. And the effectiveness of typical condom use we just mentioned is around 80%. If somebody pointed a gun to your head, again, Russian roulette said if one of the bullets was really had a 20% 20 uh, 20 chance of exposing yourself to a, a serious injury, would you still want to play? If condoms don't provide total protection against a deadly disease, in fact, they lull many people into a false sense of security. And there's considerable risk of slippage or breakage with condom use leading to um, failure of contraceptive use, exposure to all the STDs, as I just mentioned earlier. So HIV AIDS dramatically reverses the role of sex and activity that brings the gift of life to one that ends up killing you when sex is understood and lived as a gift between man and woman, exclusive, fully committed relationship. And the probability of contracting HIV age declines dramatically. Promoting monogamy and abstinence is good because people are capable of living this life and it will stop the disease dead in its tracks. Um, and it's ideologically flawed to promote condoms in countries where there's serious malnutrition, even starvation. Rather than sending food, clean water, help with education, agriculture, why would we patronise many of these countries, bombard them with condoms? You can't eat them. Many young men in Africa refuse to wear them due to personal taste, let alone, um, you know, if there's no food, education, water, shelter. These are the most important things before providing contraceptions as aid. And a key way to support development in Africa is concentrating on indispensable goods rather than ideology. A study commissioned by UNAIDS concluded Prevention campaigns relying primarily on the use of condoms have not been responsible for turning around any generalized epidemic. Researchers at Harvard's AIDS Prevention Research Project recently reminded us that in every African country where HIV infections have declined, this decline has been associated with a decrease in multiple partners and often premarital sex as well. It's not, use, true, it's not true use of condoms. Moreover, it was found according to the Journal of International Development that the promotion of condoms at an early stage proved to be counterproductive in Botswana, whereas the lack of condom promotion during the 1980s and early 1990s contributed to the relative success of behaviour change strategies in Uganda. So according to G.K. Chesterton, bad ideas kill, and the promotion of safe sex when there's a deadly and uncontrollable virus around is a lie that has the potential to kill. It's undeniable that the promotion of condoms goes hand in hand with encouraging promiscuity. Uh, uh, condoms symbolise value-free sex where consequences are discarded for 
the sake of pleasure and use. And in Adams City High School in Colorado, it was noted that in the three years since this high school become one of the first to hand out condoms, the birth rate is sort of 31% above the national average of 58.1 births per thousand students annually. So Cardinal William Napier of South Africa spoke about HIV AIDS in Africa, exposing the reality of the situation. He said, if the media could show us one example of when condoms have actually succeeded in arresting the rate of infection, let alone turning it around, then we could have a debate whether condoms are the answer. That's a brilliant statement. We do have one example of this success story of, against HIV AIDS in Africa is from Uganda, where a clear message from the government encouraged people to change their behavior to dramatic effect. This decreased the rate of infection from 29% to 6%. Botswana was a country that decided to heavily promote condoms. It went from a country with one of the lowest rates of HIV AIDS to one of the highest. In 2001, 38% of pregnant women were HIV positive. A member of the Botswana parliament said that people had a stark choice, abstain or die. So there's a huge amount to be learned from comparing the Philippines with Thailand, both Southeast Asian countries have a similar population size. In 1991, the WHO, the World Health Organization, predicted that by 1999, both countries would have between 60 to 90,000 deaths from HIV AIDS per annum. And Thailand promoted a 100% condom use program. By August 2003, there were 125,000 deaths from HIV AIDS in Thailand. In the Philippines, an abstinence message was strongly promoted. In September 2003, there were 260 deaths from HIV AIDS and you look at the Human Life International website um, to find that extraordinary story um, shows this startling miscalculation and shows the effectiveness of abstinence education too. So if we can learn anything from these accounts it's that chastity education can help to eradicate HIV AIDS. The ideal one partner for life is a fulfilling and an accomplishable aim the promotion of contraception promotes an increase in sexual activity and the Catholic Church promotes chastity, monogamy, fidelity and responsibility. And these are sure ways to help end the scourge of this terrible disease. So we move on to the early church and contraception. What did the early church say about contraception? Fascinating topic, this one. And I believe it's John T. Noonan who wrote this book, Contraception. Uh, in 1967, when it was when Humano Vitae was being rigorously debated. So some theologians held that contraception is not clearly taught in the Christian tradition. And this is part due to the scarcity of biblical references on the issue. Uh, we've got the sin of Onan in Genesis 38, one of the few passages where such a topic is insinuated. So Professor John T. Noonan and his exemplary work, Contraception, A History of Its Treatment by Catholic Theologians and Canonists, was written in 1967, published by Harvard University Press, shows precisely the contrary. So he showed throughout history how this has been the teaching of the church. He shows how theologians from the past 2000 years have clearly taught against its practice. Contraception is not a modern invention. It's been around for thousands of years. The church does not oppose it because it's unnatural. After all, Catholics are allowed to take medicines, treat ailments and illnesses. Uh, St. Augustine said that what food is to the health of the man, intercourse is to the health of race. Um, so here's a collection of statements that clearly show you how the Christian tradition is against contraception. So it starts pretty strongly. St. John Chrysostom held that contraception was worse than homicide. It was a mutilation of nature. 
Wives are married to husbands for companionship and procreation of children. Um, he states that there are two reasons why marriage was instituted. You may live chastely, you may become parents. He goes on to say there's one occasion for marriage, you may not commit fornication. Um, Saint Jerome believed that marital acts were lustful unless for procreation. Saint Augustine wrote exhaustively on almost every inanimate topic for his age. After joining the Manichees, uh, it was a sect in his early years, as well as indulging in youthful lust, he experienced conversion after a visit to Ambrose in Milan. And at one point he prayed for chastity, but only later in life he claimed that lust and love had settled with him and, and during his youth he'd plunged into a whirlpool of sin. Because of his past, he was a prisoner of habit, suffering cruel torment by trying to satisfy lust that could never be sated. That's in his book, Confessions. Um, his will was closely attached to love. My will was perverse. My lust had grown in it. When I gave into lust, habit was born. When I could not resist the habit, it became necessity. That's what he writes in his autobiography called Confessions. Uh, later in life, he saw his own sin as looking at the right thing in the wrong place. Um, so St. Augustine lived with a concubine for a number of years, um, but he had a considerable amount of really sound teaching on marriage and sexuality. He believed that sex was a life-giving process that was sacred cooperation with god it should be kept immune from interference marriage was something to be good because it provided offspring fidelity and symbolic stability and um, the pro procreation of children the first and natural and lawful reason for marriage um augustine believed that man's generous parts will not obey reason he scholarly attacks on the manichees after his conversion he claimed the manichees had made the bridal chamber a bottle because they denied procreation he wrote about the beauty of spiritual paternity by saying in these days, indeed, no one perfect in piety seeks to have children expect spiritually. Um, so that's spiritually having children, so naturally having them. Uh, interesting point that he made. Overall, he provided the church with a substantial corpus of literature articulating the beauty and good of marriage. He taught unequivocally the natural good of marriage as intercourse for procreation. And some Thomas Aquinas largely reiterated what Augustine had to say about contraception. He was, uh, he was ready to cheekily remark that copulation, even among the Emmanuels, produces a sweet society, and that's in the summer against the Gentiles. Um, St. Cyril of Alexandria defended marriage as holy good, anyone used for procreation. That's in adoration in spirit and truth. The first apparent church legislation against contraception stated that if a woman took steps so she may not conceive, she do penance for 10 years. Um, that's from Martin, the chapters from the Synod of the Eastern Fathers. In the 13th century, St. Albert taught that every marital act frustrating its essential and natural end is vain and evil. During the Reformation, St. Francis de Sales proclaimed that procreation is the primary and principal end of marriage. That's in the introduction to the devout life. Even all the Protestant reformers were opposed to the practice of contraception. So Luther, Zwingli, all, all of them, you know, were opposed to this. This was the common teaching of the age at the time of the Reformation. Uh, these writings reference clearly show there's a considerable amount of writing against the practice of contraception by the church fathers. Positive mean for sexuality is sometimes hidden in negative prohibitions of writers. Nevertheless, for 2000 years, the church has boldly proclaimed the beauty and purpose of marriage to be undefiled and unstained by sin so that couples can joyfully and peacefully live out their vocation, growing in holiness. So we've got a bit of further information here. Just, you know, does contraception work? Lies, falsehoods and errors, just how contraception is promoted today and some teaching on the pill, etc. So 
So if I told you that something was safe and it wasn't, I'd either be a liar or I'd be unintentionally misleading you. But when life and death is at stake, promoting lies can be a vicious concoction of deceit, fraud and ignorance. Um, so many young people today have been misled, lied to, used and abused with a message of safe sex. And it's a message that's both devastating and dangerous. It's medically inaccurate, insulting to women. And it generates a full sense of security, encouraging risky behaviour, reducing the understanding of sex to purely genital. The message of safe sex is an absolute joke. Uh, it's a message that states we have no trust or hope in our young people anymore. We set the standards high. In fact, we say safe sex until marriage. We give a new generation the confidence to believe in themselves and to live for something greater. So let's have a look at the oral contraceptive pill. How safe is the oral contraceptive pill? Well, the pill can affect blood clotting, the ability of the body, leading to an increase in risk in heart disease and stroke. Women on the pill can be up to five times more likely to have a stroke than non-pill users, up to three times more likely to have a heart attack. Um, the birth control pill increases the women's chance of having breast cancer, cervical cancer, and liver cancer. 21 out of 23 studies of women who took the pill before their first child showed increased risk of breast, can breast cancer. And birth control pills meddle with a woman's immune system, making her more likely to contract certain sexually transmitted infections. So contrary to popular belief, the birth control pill can also be an abortifacient. You just have to look at Randy Alcon's um, book, Does the Birth Control Pill Cause Abortions? You can find it online. It goes right into that topic. This means the pill can cause an induced abortion in early pregnancy. As the pill has the same side effects as pregnancy, it means it can bring weight gain, moodiness, skin change, and nausea. Alfred Kinsey stated the risk of sounding repetitious. So I'd remind the group we have found most highest frequency of induced abortions in a group which in general most frequently used contraceptives. So the pill can cause more than 150 biological changes in a woman, according to the textbook of contraceptive practice. This can include gallbladder disease, headaches, bleeding irregularities, ectopic pregnancy, yeast infection, changes to the curvature of the eye, excessive hair growth in unusual places, acne, partial or complete loss of vision. Many side effects of the pill that yet to be fully understood in the way they damage and upset the delicate yet beautiful aspects of womanhood. The pill is supposed to be a great liberation to women, but in the words of Christopher West, contraception is a sure way to keep women in chains. Treating women's fertility like a disease promotes a warped view of freedom and safety. Well, so that's the oral contraceptive pill. Let's have a look at the male condom. So according to the authoritative publication, Contraceptive Technology, after the use of just 10 condoms, the probability of at least one failure is 57%, and failure results in exposure to all the STIs that a partner has and may result in pregnancy. Within a year, 50% of sexually active women whose partners use condoms for contraception become pregnant, according to contraceptive technology. After two years, it's 28%. Three years, it's 39%. After four years, it's 48%. After five years, it's 56%. And yeah, perhaps that's why we've got over 200,000 abortions in in the United Kingdom. The British Medical Journal showed in 10 studies worldwide, the widespread availability of contraception made no appreciable difference in the attempt to reduce abortion rates. Well, here's a real message contrary to the safe sex message. Condoms do not protect against uh, sexually transmitted infections. Very few people know that condoms do not prevent against all sexually transmitted infections. The US National Institutes of Health reported in July 2001 that condoms didn't provide universal protection against eight of the major STDs or STDIs, as they're now known. The panel of researchers found just two areas of condom effectiveness, 
both of which was significantly limited the heterosexual transmission of HIV and the female male, male transmission of gonorrhea. But this constitutes just 2% of all STDs. Not a great deal of evidence to show that condoms provide suitable protection against gonorrhea for women. And this is of concern because gonorrhea can lead to ectopic pregnancy, pelvic inflammatory disease, and infertility in women as well. Our generation has been forcefully told by medically inaccurate information that states be safe, use a condom. Adverts and messages from the National Health Service attempts to convince us of this message. Um, but safety and protection are usually things that need against your enemies, not against your most closely loved ones. And the barrier in a relationship is a hindrance to communication and intimacy. Nobody wants a love life full of compromises, conditionality and concessions. And the term safe sex was replaced with safer sex when it was realised how unrealistic this notion was to begin with. So what one doctor compared the use of condoms um, to playing Russian roulette. The US Department of Health reported that 100 women whose partner used a condom in a year, three to 36 will become pregnant. And one study shows condoms can cause irritation or allergic reactions. Up to 80% of unplanned pregnancies result from failed contraception. Reliance upon condom use alone will not reduce teenage pregnancy rates if a false sense of security encourages more intercourse and other reports show there have been higher unwed birth rates among sexually experienced teens despite increased condom use so the risk displacement theory describes that if there's a perceived increase in safety there will not be a change in the risks involved the introduction of seat belts encouraged many drivers to drive faster due to a false understanding of safety and this meant that seat belts did not reduce the driving fatality rate and likewise if condoms give the appearance of safety for their customers in reality, they've encouraged greater increases in unsafe sex. So increased condom use by teens is associated with increased out-of-wedlock birth rates. Not one country that has primarily used condoms as a primary means to prevent AIDS has had any success. And Father Paul Marx said, having travelled and worked some 70 countries, I find no country where contraception has not led to abortion, increasing fornication among the young to divorce, and all those other evils today we see to make up this international, international sex mess. There's no condom for the heart of the soul. The very heart of trying to make safe sex is a total contradiction in terms. And sex is supposed to be a complete gift of self, a total gift of self. There's no form of premarital safe sex, spiritually, physically, or mentally. Full protection from pregnancy, disease, or having a heartbreak in is impossible. And no form of contraception is 100% effective. And our bodies are stubbornly protective of fertility. Safe sex is not safe for the soul. And condoms provide little or no protection against the deadly human pamplona virus as well. So the policy underlying the safe sex message is the young people not capable of controlling themselves, hence they should settle for mediocrity rather than living for greater things. And I think it's patronising to young people who've got the capability of self-control, perfectly able to call to challenges and responsibility. Worst of all, that government works directly with organisations that financially profit from the promotion of contraception and abortion, um, given that oral sex can transmit virtually every STI, um, it's time to let people know that the message of safe sex is out of date. Um, that is great. So we have this article about contraception and the environment. Joel Brind, um, who's done some work on breast cancer and abortion, wrote recently on dangers of unintended consequences of synthetic, anabolic, carcinogenic, non-biodegradable sex steroid drugs, also known as the pill, oral contraceptives or hormones, 
Um, he explains the possible damage they do to breast tissue, the environment, and human fertility too. Um, he said that few people are aware that pill, morning after pill, the RU486, the abortion pill, are also steroids. They use the same thought of synthetic steroids that are legal for professional athletes. In 2006, the World Health Organization acknowledged that some of the birth control pills and PEMPRO, hormone replacement drugs, called cancer in the breast, cervix, and liver. Um, the Observatory Romano, that's the Vatican newspaper, reports these synthetic hormones may be the cause of soaring infertility in the world today. Certainly more studies are needed on this pressing issue. And the contraceptive pill is a major cause of male infertility in the West, also polluting the environment. In, according to Pedro Jose Maria Simon Castellevi, president of the International Federation of Catholic Medical Associations many years back, said the pill has for some years had devastating effects on the environment by releasing tons of hormones into nature through female urine. And the environmental lobby is yet to realise the damage that oral contraceptives may be doing to our ecosystem. Many still subscribe to the anachronistic message that humans are bad for the planet. The macabre myth of a black population is clearly being discredited. In fact, many Western nations are rapidly making the tradition to a predominantly elderly population. Uh, and Pope Benedict called for a human oncology. So... To conclude on this sound teaching on contraception, young people desire to be told the truth, um, but today they're being told that adults that they can't handle the truth. Um, St. Thomas Aquinas taught that we should follow our conscience when it's uh, when it is quite mistaken. He believed that to turn one's back on conscience, to turn away from moral authenticity. Um, the church said everyone's bound to obey their conscience, and conscience frequently errs from invincible ignorance without losing its dignity. Um, but ignorance or error is not excusable when it results from negligence in the pursuit of truth and goodness. And the Second Vatican Council said that conscience did not lose its dignity, um, but cannot be said of a man who cares but little for truth and goodness. Um, Christian consciences are formed with the teaching of Christ, not by individualism. So young people are being told that they are not able to control themselves sexually and therefore they must be appeased by latex or condoms because safety can come with a condom. This is a distortion of the truth. And if young people knew that conception does not prevent them against any STDs, universally promiscuity would decline. Ignorance is not always excusable and, and young people need resources to help them live a chaste life as well. So um, there's just some of the resources you can um, come across. Um, you can look up about natural fertility awareness or natural family planning. Online, uh, there's many centres. The billing ovulation method is one of the methods. Uh, there's an organisation called One More Soul. Um, talks about the harms of conception. You've got the Pope Paul VI Institute uh, that promotes morally and professionally acceptable reproductive health services. It's Family of America, useful organisation promoting life and NFP. There's also the Couple to Couple League, building healthy marriages through NFP since 1971. So um, that concludes our teaching today um, on providing sound teaching on contraception. I hope you enjoyed this talk. Thank you very much indeed.